Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Montgomery and the former Bear has given the Lions the lead. Go ahead, hand it to Montgomery. Inside, trust that offensive line. They're going to get movement. They do. And just look at that push up front. Go ahead and celebrate. I tell you, from experience, man, there is nothing like playing against your old team and, you know, having an opportunity to win that game. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Gabe Ramirez. Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score. Going to be a long five hours as we discuss this Bears loss to the Detroit Lions. Uh, Hurts the soul to even talk about it. But here we are nonetheless. Bears drop their eighth of the season. Uh, This time to the Detroit Lions in heartbreaking fashion. 31-26. When you're looking at this one, we're going to take a deep dive. Because uh, there are people that are on opposite ends of the spectrum uh, where the blame belongs for this one. And again, this was game one of seven of the evaluation of the entire football team. I'll leave a blanket statement there. Um, but the good thing is we get, a, we get a chance to discuss it. I get, I get a chance to hear your opinions. What are you thinking about this game? 3-1-2, 644, 67, 67. Phone lines are open. Let's go ahead and open those up. We got Tyler Ferengal producing tonight. I just got him some Taco Burrito King. Figure we're going to be here for a long night. We might as well get it in, man. And the cool thing is this about TBK. They got buy one, get one on Uber Eats. So just do yourself a favor if you're, if you're hungry and you're looking for something. Um, but this is a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank and It's Not a Game, Illinois.com. And so it starts with me. Midnight to 5 a.m., I got you covered. And then, of course, the pregame show. Dustin Rhodes jumps in at 5 o'clock, leading you right into Molly and Haw. And they got two guests that you are not going to want to miss. Olin Krutz, 7 a.m., jumping out with Molly and Haw. And then DJ Moore, the man himself, the guy who just, I, beat, I think he beat his, his player prop for the year. I think his over-under was sitting at like an eight-something. He, he just passed it. 8 a.m., Bernstein and Holmes. Right after that, two of the lovable, lovable guys. They got Anthony Heron at 11. Dan Weederer 
jumping on at 12, and then Mark Schlereth at 1. And then Parkinson Spiegel, I love their three guests. Kurt Warner, 2.40. Mark Grody at 4 p.m. And then Jalen Johnson, rounding everything out at 5 p.m. That's my... What is Jalen Johnson going to say about his two dropped interceptions? You get a chance to hear it right here on 670 to score at 5 p.m. So make sure you're listening to that. Uh, but we are taking your phone calls. That's where I don't want to just babble for 20 minutes about the Bears and what I think. We could do that later in the show. Right now, you're driving around. You're at work. You, you, you weren't able to talk to your husband or wife about this whole thing because you've been working, and now you get an opportunity to to call in. And the first question I have, and I'll just – Start with the obvious. Is it was it Justin? Was it Getsy? Or was it somebody else? Who who was it for you in this game? And when I say who was it for you, it's more like because some things leave a bad taste in your mouth. Some people feel had a bad taste about Jalen Johnson dropping those two interceptions. Some people felt bad about Tyler Scott not running the route out. Some people felt bad about Justin Fields with his performance. Again, you know, what spectrum are we grading that on? Now, don't call up here and start yelling at me about Justin Fields because I was doing a brewing view with my guy Corey Wooten over there at uh, Crossroads in Mundelein. And shout out to all the scoreheads that showed up there. But scoreheads will not let you forget about what you said. So during the game, you're like, oh, Gabe, he ain't top 15, huh? Huh? He ain't top 15, huh? And then at the end of the game, they were like, damn, he's not top 15. <laughs> oh, man. But I'm here for it. I'm here for the conversations. I'm here for just a, a, actually a healthy conversation about the Bears because I think that's what we need to do, get some stuff off of our chest. 312-644-6767. Let's go to Nick out in Downers Grove. So, Nick, man, what, were some, what was like a, a major takeaway for you after this game? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest takeaway – for me anyway, was anyone who was talking smack thinking that Bajent was going to be a better option than Fields was shut up after tonight a little bit. Fields played fine. I'm really sick of the first down draw plays. So many shotgun runs. He's, he's not under center enough, but overall, I mean, it was kind of a big loss in terms of the draft. I thought Fields played all right overall, and we're getting so when you say all right, because let's let's let because you're gonna be you're my first caller of the day, Nick. Right? So when, oh, you're, when sure. you're talking about all right, we're talking about 16 for 23, a buck yep. 69. Now that doesn't stand out. Now, high completion percentage is something that I love. Keep keep the drives going, you know, do your thing. No interceptions, protected the ball. Uh, of course, you could have had you know, maybe a touchdown or two more, you know, if somebody would have caught the ball or you know, DJ Moore if he would have linked up with him on the other pass. But 18 rushes for 104 yards, I mean. Are you judging him as a whole? Like you know, saying like you're saying, like his performance as a whole was was good. Like middle of the road? Or are you talking about like top fifteen? You know, I I say that's. I mean, any quarterback that's gonna accumulate, you know, almost three hundred yards, that's a good day. You're right. I mean, the I think the play calling that he only threw what twenty three times or yep. whatever. Yep. So he's not gonna, you know, two hundred yards on twenty three pass attempts is tough for any quarterback. I'd say. I love this. I, I mean, love it. You're like absolutely he, right. He took he took care of the ball. He didn't make any big mistakes until obviously that last play, but that's whatever. And overall, after the first drive, I thought they got really predictable. The Lions D line stepped up and were 
blasting us on every first down draw play we ran. And, you know, I, I think that I think Fields needs to be under center a little more. I, I'm sick of I hate I hate shotgun runs. I just hate them. Man, you sound like you, you know, you sound like Nick. You sound like Corey Wooten. I got to be honest, man. That's all he kept on saying during the game. He's like, why are we in shotgun on third and one, fourth and one? He's like, if I, I he's like, if I know that the run, he's like, as a defensive end, this is Corey Wooden, former Chicago Bears, and he goes, as a defensive end, if I see the running back behind the quarterback on a third and one, fourth, I know it's a run play. I know what's going on. And then I, I, I countered with, well, maybe Luke Getzey just wants Justin Fields to be comfortable in an RPO situation, right? And and maybe he wants him to have the ability to 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 fool the defense in that way. And Corey's like, no, get him on the center, use Kari Blazin game, and get your. Get your one yard, and I and I agree right. with it. But I, I do think the Bears did become predictable, and that was the issue. That's been the issue for the Bears, right? When we look at the offensive coordinator situation, if you look at every first drive that the Chicago Bears have, I mean, it's why they want the ball first, right? Because it's what they prepare for all week. It's the game plan they put in, and that's something that they have familiarity with. And then everything after that is the issue. Even Tyson Bajan was having success in a lot of his first drives, and so to 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 see the Bears come out, uh, you know, score on that first, and then not be able to muster up anything else after that for some time, uh, that, that was definitely deflated. Nick, I appreciate the call, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for chiming in. Hope you, you listen until you uh, – I hope I put you to sleep, buddy. Hey, yo. All right, uh, let's go to Marshall Harris, my guy, calling in. Bro, you, you, uh, you keep calling in. I'm going to have, have to make you a weekly, weekly guest on this damn thing. I can do that. I, I can do it. anything for you, Dave. I'm, I'm I got you. But I'm, just, I'm, really, I, I'm really frustrated. As a non-Bears fan, I'm just frustrated with what I'm watching. Okay, and tell me more. Tell me more. I would say, I would say, talk me off the ledge, but you can't talk me off the ledge because I've seen what I've seen. I can't unsee what I saw. Okay, the Bears started this game with a nice, crisp, surgical drive where Justin Fields was on the move, doing all kinds of things, finding his man in rhythm. They they like took the time that they had, the extra time, and they said we're going to scheme up some things, right? And they took a seven nothing lead. I was like, more of this, more of this. Yeah. Let's contrast that with their last drive that lasted more than one play. You know what drive I'm talking about, right? (laughs) Between the two Lions touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Yeah. This man had two minutes and change on the clock. And he said, we're going to run up the middle, and then we're going to run up the middle. And we're going to do it in such a boring way then no one's going to guess what we're doing. They know exactly what we're going to do. We're trying to run some time off the clock. You can't do that. You're playing not to lose when you do that. They were in the position they were, a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter, because they put Justin Fields in position to make plays with his arm and with his legs. Why are they taking that away from him with the game when you can put the game away? Yeah, I think I think the assumption uh, is Marshall Harris, sports director for CBS Two, catch him at night all the time. Does great stuff. Um, I'm just off the set, man. I'm, I'm I, right I hear now. you. And I like it. And I like it because that's what I like. Raw and uncovered here. But here's the here's the deal. Eber, if you tell Eberflus, hey, check this out, bro. The Lions are going to come down and score a tutty in one minute and fifteen seconds, and then they're going to get the ball again and score it in two minutes. You believe that or no? And he'd be like, hell no. I'm calling this defense. No way that's happening. Let's go ahead and get them to use their timeouts because my defense is going to come through how this was after this field goal I just kicked. It's like, that's what I'm sure he's thinking, right? Like, there's no way they're going to put up two tutties in under 330. And it's exactly what they did. Let me ask you a question. How many times has Matty Refus gotten a win? 
as a head coach. <laughs> six six times. Six times. That 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 would be correct. That would be six six and twenty two. Got the running count. How many times has Matt Eberflus won a game against a division opponent? <laughs> Is it zero? Is that how many times now? We're at zero and nine. Wow. Oh and nine. It's never happened. Uh. So for Matt Eberflus to have the arrogance to think that his defense was going to stop anybody with the game on the line. When does that happen again? Against a good team? Yeah. Oh, wait, I, I got one more for you. How many times has Matt Eberflus been a head coach of a team that got a win over another team with a winning record? Do you know that number? One? Yeah, it's, 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 real, it's looking real slim. Yeah. Real slim out here. <laughs> it's bad, Marshall. So my point being, but, but hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't hold care up. what Matt Eberflus thinks. Let's, 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 do some, let's use a, a math component. Greater than or less than. If you have Justin Fields on one side and you have the coaching mm-hmm. on the other, where, where does that sign lead to? What is greater than the other? I think Justin Fields is greater than the coaching. What are you talking about? Okay, okay, okay. Like, that's not, that's not a question. It's the coach's job. Cause let's go back to the beginning of the season. Oh, or the beginning of last season. It's the coach's job to put the players in a position to succeed. More times than not, they have not done that. Is that fair? Oh, I would most certainly agree on that. Okay, then. So it looked like at the beginning of this game, they were like, all right, enough messing around. We're going to make sure Justin Fields is going to have what he needs to get it done. The offensive line is healthy. Also, the weapons are back and healthy. Like, you know, they, Khalil Herbert, <laughs> everything's good. So Justin Fields, how many times did he turn the ball over again? Zero times today, fortunately. Last time I checked, I saw Aiden Hutchinson like a madman against a rookie tackle by himself oh, on one an time, obvious yeah. passing down. Yeah. On an obvious passing down. Yeah, with 30 seconds left. So hey. maybe get him some help. Maybe, yeah. maybe get him some help. Okay, hold maybe on, hold on. Help. But do we give – do we give – are we – do we give the same grace – to some new coaches, right? A new head coach, a new offensive whoa, coordinator. Whoa, whoa. I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm asking. No, the we same don't give grace. Any the they, same they are, grace we give Justin grace. Fields and we give a lot of other people for a year. Also, only year three. Well, do we not give that to to Coach Eberflus? No, no. no. Here, here's why. Here's why. Last year for Justin Fields was first year with this coaching staff and first year for the coaching staff. All the grace last year. Plus, let's be honest. You want the one. You want the number one pick. All things being equal, you weren't winning the Super Bowl last year. You weren't trying to make the playoffs last year. This year is different. Justin Fields, in a system that he's now familiar with, been through it for a year, and also these coaches, whether they know or not, are coaching for their jobs. Okay? So to see that play out the way it played out, there's been nothing that says, I believe in this coaching staff going forward. Whereas I can look at Justin Fields and say, I've seen some things that make me believe that over these last wait, we're what three and eight now, six games, you could show me enough to go forward with you. But 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 maybe but you, do but wait wait but is it is it is it all coaching or is it just no, the offensive coordinator? It's not all coaching. You, you look look the players got to play, the players have to play, and the players did play for the first three and a half quarters well enough to win the game. But as you said, that conservative play calling. I mean, and we can go back. This isn't the first time that's happened where the Bears had a lead and then they got conservative. And I'm not talking about regular conservative. I'm talking about, like, right-wing conservative. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, way heavy-leaning. 
Yes. <laughs> like, or left leaning, you know or left leaning, or way left leaning. We could say either. Yeah, like different. just, just, just they got so. So what I'm saying is, based on what I saw today, the Bears have three wins. I looked at the schedule. I don't see them getting more than four, maybe five wins. Can we agree on that? Looking at the schedule. Oh, I would say for sure. Okay, so knowing that, all I'm looking at right now is Justin Fields. That's all I care about. If Justin Fields is going to play another game like he played today, they can win, you know, a couple more games. They can. If the coaches allow it. Like if, like if They Justin will. Fields, they'll they'll win a couple more, but here's going to be this. They're going to lose to the Vikings next week. Vikings, yes. Vikings, and then Detroit again, Detroit again, and then they get Detroit again. It's gonna be, it's gonna be tough, man. It's gonna be tough. They're gonna lose to Minnesota, but that's gonna be a game as they go into that bye week that's really gonna affect them mentally. And then that's when things I think are gonna you're gonna see, see things start to topple a little bit after that one. And then when they come you back, think somebody's losing the locker room after that one. Yeah, yeah, because then you get then you get the bye. So you now you go home, you get to talk to your people. Everybody's like, "Yo, what the hell is going on?" And everybody, the only thing they're gonna be saying is coaching sucks. Justin sucks. Whatever it is that they're going to say, it's going to be just negativity. And then they come back, and then they're going to get that ass whooped to, by the Lions again because the Lions are not going to have that same performance, nor are the Bears yeah. going to have that same performance. And then – I don't know. Yeah. I, well, well, here's the thing. They could have had, like, what, five picks today? They, they got three interceptions from Jared Goff and unable to, like, make it happen, right? Like, yeah. the first two picks, they didn't even score any points off of them. Yeah. Not a field goal that or anything. Tough part. That was so, the tough part. So when you don't take advantage of turnovers, you're not going to win the game. And I, I find it hard to believe that Jared Goff's going to throw three more picks the next time. They That's what I'm saying. Bears. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be so, tough sledding. So, like I said, you're you're not really doing much. I've already jumped off the bridge at this point. You know, <laughs> good thing you don't. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, right. I'm here for the. Huh. The good thing is, the good thing is, we as Bears fans. I know you said you're a non-Bears fan, but you're still equally as frustrated. It's no, like, but I I live in the city right. and I have to deal with Bears fans. I I want them to be happy. We're not. I can't find we're, much we're not, reason for them to be happy. <laughs> we're not anymore. Not right now. I tell you that. I would have felt good uh, to get that victory, but I appreciate you calling in, man, and chatting. Like I said, hit me up every week. I'll be here. All right, Gabe. Hey, man. Yo, I hope you got some good food coming because five a.m. seems like it's a long way away. I got bro. some taco burrito king here. You know, I'm ready. Drink my little free coffee right. that they have here. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready. We're gonna get it in. The I'll good thing is this on the app till I fall asleep, bro. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The good thing is we got a bunch of people calling in, man. We get an opportunity to talk about it together, so we all get to just it's like a big large therapy session right now. That's the best part about <laughs> it. All right, Marshall, take it easy. All right, Marshall all right. Harris from CBS Two, right there calling in. Always appreciate uh, appreciate that, and I appreciate you guys that are calling in as well. Don't be such a Debbie Downer, bro. Some people are on the text line, or not some people, one person on the text line. Chill out, bro. It's a long night. Five a.m. I want to give a lot of people a lot of time, all right? Not just not just that guy. Uh, let's go to Reggie out in Richmond. All right, so Reggie, you know, Fields, what, just like our first caller, Nick from Downers Grove said, right, he's responsible for close to 300 yards of offense in the air and on the ground, and no, no turnovers, you know, played a decent game. Didn't come away with the victory. Uh, what would you think of his performance? Yeah, so, man, what I think, man, they, he played. He played a real decent game. It's just that, uh, and I'm I'm just so tired of folks blaming him for all the losses. It's been a lot of games that he had them in the game winning, and somehow the defense just fall apart at the end. 
I hear you. Do me a favor, Reggie. Turn on your radio, man, just so I can hear you clearly. Uh, but, but, but I think that when you're talking about Eberflus, I think everybody agrees with that, right? Yeah. I, I think that I think that he's fine, and I, I think that. But I, but I, I just feel bad because I want I, you know in, the, in my heart of hearts, you know, guys, I am a good person, right? And I do want I do right. wish the best in everyone, and I do want Eberflus to be the man, and I do want Justin Fields to be the man, despite my what, what my opinions may be. I think ultimately, I really want them to be the right people for the job. So, you know, it does suck when you, you you take a conservative approach in the fourth quarter, Reggie, and you're not aggressive like the good teams are, right? You would never see, you know, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs not go for it on fourth and one when they're already up two scores, right? They would be trying right. to just nail in the coffin. Yeah. Bill Belichick would not let you, you know, like he would really be coming after you in those instances. And, and Iberflus in that moment was more so like, don't trip. We played a great game. We're going to continue yeah. with the assumption that we're going to continue to do that. But you can't do that in the NFL. You got to take advantage right. of those instances and those moments to really, you know, put the game out of reach instead of trying to, 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 to you know, 300 and will your way back, you know, by hiding in a corner. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think they were just playing not to lose. Yeah, I hear at you. That time, at that point. I hear you. I hear you. Thanks. Oh, uh, thanks for the call, Reggie. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear you. Thanks for the call, man. And I, there's going to be a lot of people that are complaining about Coach Eberflus, but I think it should be directed at Luke Getzey specifically, right? I understand it's him and his coaching staff, but Luke Getzey, like, we've had a lot of boring offensive coordinators when it comes to the Chicago Bears, like a lot. Some that are that have been so frustrating, right? In terms of like not calling particular plays on it's, it's third and eight or third and six, and we're calling you know little five yard slant routes, right? Just weird stuff like that. Would you rather have Bill Lazor or Luke Getzey be the offensive coordinator of this team? Bill Lazor, because then I want to see what he would call for Justin Fields, because I do think Justin Fields is talented. I already know what Luke Getzey's calling for Justin Fields. He's saying he's calling the same game plan he had with Tyson Bajan, and then that's not what I saw. Did you, like, saw the last couple weeks with Bajan, did you like the way Getsy called the game today for Fields compared to no. the last couple games with Bajan? Right, no. And I get it, it was out of necessity, right, where Tyson Bajan needed to lean on the run game more so than Justin Fields does, where he can run on his own. So, of course, the play calling in terms of design quarterback runs and such are going to be, you know, in there. But, you know, I was like, when you looked at the first half and Justin Fields had like 10 rushes for like, I don't know, 50 yards or whatever it was. And nobody else is even close that close. And so for me, it's like, it's establishing the game plan so that that way you can work off of it in the second half, right? Hey, we're going to be running the rock, running the rock, running the rock. So the play action could work, running the rock, running the rock so that you can bootleg out of it and put Justin Fields on the run. Again, it's about your scheme and what you're trying to operate, right? Like when I see Justin Fields do his fifth designed quarterback run, that's exactly the same. If I'm a defender, like you just you're 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 the probability of that play happening if you see the formation, at least you're thinking about it that much more, so you're anticipating it. Like you're just feeding into the defense and giving them the opportunity. There was one point in the second half where Lou Getzey, if I'm not mistaken, like ran the same exact play back-to-back in the I formation. Do you remember what I'm talking about? 
No, not, I do. I'm not talking about the, the the two runs, you know, at the very end of the tail end of the game. It was like as they were trying to drive, and I was like, the first time it worked, and then he did it again, and I was like, did he just run the exact same play? And I was like, oh my god! Like those are the frustrating part moments about Lugetti when you're looking at at that. And I'm sure you know because he is a confident. I don't want to say arrogant because I don't know him, but when I watch his play calling, his play calling is has an, a level of arrogance to it. And I'm sure he would then, in describing his play calling, would say, hey, man, the opportunities were there. We just didn't execute. I put us, you know, that's what I'm sure he would say. Do we have to start pointing at him now for these late game collapses more than Justin Fields? Because, I mean, the narrative about Justin Fields was he's a three-quarter quarterback, but he can't get it done in the fourth quarter. Time and time again, we see the offense start to fizzle out late in these games, and they blew blew another one yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think... uh, uh, I think what we do and should agree on is that it's everyone, right? It's not one sole entity that is responsible for, you know, where the Bears are at in the present. It's everything. Everything plays a part. Everybody plays a part, right? Justin Fields, you can't drop back with 30 seconds left, even though you have a rookie right tackle, and, like, not be cognizant of where Aiden Hutchinson is on a on – a, on a, on a, on a, obvious passing down right but at the same time like it's everybody else it's it's Jalen Johnson not getting the interceptions it's Jalen Johnson on the pass interference it's you know just small things like that Tyler Scott not running all the way like there's little things but those things pile up and it leaves you in the situation you were at the end of the game where you're looking up at the scoreboard and you're down 31 toward 29 it's just painful let's go back out to the phone lines let's go to Jim on Kankakee Jim, uh, when you're talking about or when you're thinking about Justin Fields and his performance yesterday, what were your thoughts? Well, I have a couple of thoughts actually on that. I'll try and give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, first, first of all, I'll you know I'm glad that uh, you know compared to uh, how he was playing before the thumb injury, that you know he seems to have had a uh, pretty decent game. Um, you know the the the, the running. You know, the running is obviously good, made some nice sharp passes. Uh, I'm still not convinced he's the long-term answer at at the position. I still, you know, think he's got some accuracy problems. And like you guys have been saying, it seems like the Bears in general can't seal the deal at the end of the game. But I also think I, you raised uh, some important questions uh, because I've been listening to this ever since last year. Yeah, the Bears seem to get a little bit conservative when uh, they don't really need to. And to me, that raises the question that, uh, you know, they don't have a rookie quarterback anymore. Why does the Bear coaching staff feel to need to be so conservative with the play calling? I mean, look at what Jared Goff did in uh, the last drive. He was trusted to, you know, do do a little bit more, be a little bit more risky. Um, I think that Justin should be at the point by now where he should be trusted to do a little bit more, and I don't see that happening. I I think you raised a number of points, which you kind of answered your uh, own question uh, with your comments. Does the Bears coaching staff trust Justin to do any more than he's doing? Yeah, and I think that that's an interesting take, Jim, right? Because – 
there were instances where Justin Fields on third down, and just I would say take take a temperature of yourself, right? All my Bears fans that are listening right now, like when you think about your evaluation of Justin Fields and, and to Jim's point, in year three, the level of comfort he should have and the level of comfort the coaching staff should have in Justin Fields, on a lot of those third down plays, on a lot of those third down plays, weren't you holding your breath? Weren't weren't you like cautiously optimistic about the outcome of that play? Because I know every third down, I, I didn't feel like, and I'll be honest, I didn't feel like it was like a Tyson Bajan where it was third and five, and I was like, oh, first down. I'm not worried about this. I know he's going to throw a soft little out route to somebody on a dime because he has good accuracy within five yards. Like, it would be third and five, and I'd be like, oh, my God, what are we going to be doing here? Oh, my God, is it going to be a run? Oh, my God, is Justin Field going to please complete this pass? Like, when he threw that out route to DJ Moore, I was like, oh, my God, please catch that. Like, that's how I felt every third down play for Justin Fields. And and, and I don't want to feel like that. I want to feel like it's money in the bank. Third and short, we got a guy that's going to get it done no matter what. And he did perform. I mean, he now, right, that you can look at the game as a whole, you can say, well, yeah, awesome. Did it. <laughs> right? He did it. Uh, but but in certain moments, because the Bears were 5 for 13 on third down. 5 for 13. There was a point in the first half where the Lions were 6 for 6 on third down. Like the defense couldn't get off the field in the first half, and the defense sure as hell couldn't get the job done in the second half. But... Again, these are, you can always point to areas of improvement, but our- well, there's there's one there's one more point that uh, I wanted to make, and uh, then I'll sure. hang up and uh, listen. We we've listened uh, to you know the we've heard the complaints about the um, conservative play calling even before the present uh, coaching staff took over. Good coaches, successful coaches in the National Football League. They make adjustments at, at halftime. They figure out what needs to be done to beat the other team. The Bears don't seem to have that ability. You know darn well that the Lions coaching staff went in and talked to the team at halftime and said, hey, he's back, he's running, somebody shadow him and make sure they keep an eye on him. I'm not sure uh, how good the Bears staff is at adjusting to what needs to be done. Yeah, I think that... Last year, we praised them for halftime adjustments, things that they did well. If you think back to last year and, and you know, what some of those conversations were like. And it's unfortunate that that hasn't been the narrative this year, uh, that it, it is it is the opposite. Like, what the hell are the Bears doing to try to counter? Sometimes you got to counter the counter, right? They adjust. How do you adjust to the adjustment? And... We're adjusting to this coaching staff, not being able to get that right. Uh, it is Gabe Ramirez on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday here on 670. The score taking your phone calls. Phone lines are open. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to talk to you about the Bears. I want to know what you saw. 312-644-6767. I know there's a lot of people that are back in on Justin Fields. Those that were on the fence, right? I'm not talking about flipping things or whatever. Those that were on the fence that are now in on Justin Fields. Is that you? Because I want to hear from you too. 312-644-6767. We'll take more calls on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez, live and local, overnight for you, literally for you, right here on 670 The Score. 
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. White was matched up with him again. Fields climbs. Fields throws. Touchdown. One-two punch delivers. It's Fields to Moore for the lead. And after more than a month without a touchdown, D.J. Moore's got it. Well, here it is, Hutchinson. You talked about the pass rush. Right, doing a really good job. But I love the climb, the pocket. Get up inside that pocket. Get yourself a little bit extra time. And then a beautiful throw right down the pipe, just keeping it away from the middle of the safety so he can't come over and get to that. That location was absolutely dead-level perfect. We're back, live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Little Mark Schlereth there. Fox 30, or yeah, Fox. Shout out to you guys for all that stuff. It's Gabe Ramirez on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday. DJ Moore, who just caught that pass, is going to be on with Mully and Hall later today. 8 a.m. with the fellas. Make sure you guys are listening to that. Then Jalen Johnson. After dropping two interceptions, he's going to talk to Parkinson Spiegel a little bit later today. Get the opportunity to do that uh, in just a bit. But we're taking your phone calls. 312-644-6767. Bears lose to the Detroit Lions 31-26. Bears had the lead. This is crazy. If you go to, I'm old school, so I go to Yahoo to go look up all my stuff. I don't go to the four-letter networks. Um, but if you go to the win probability at the 2 minute and 59 second mark, 2 minutes and 59 seconds, the Bears had a 98.8% probability to win the game. And this ain't me. Just, I'm, this is right here. Go to Yahoo. See it for yourself. 259. 98%. Point eight. So when people are like, the crazy part about it is no one is surprised or shocked. You listen to, go on Twitter, go follow whoever you thought, and everybody was just like, is it shock? Even Olin Cruz and Pat Manley in the post game, they're like, is it shocking though that the Bears, that it happened? No, because the Bears find ways to do things like this. But 98.8 and you're still not surprised? That's wild. Are you, uh, are you surprised that I was so shocked about 15, 30 minutes afterwards? Tyler texted me immediately after the game, <laughs> and I felt bad. Tyler's a younger dude, you know, so his, this this is like fresh heartbreak where he just doesn't understand what is, what am I watching? And they're like, yeah, bro, we've been here. This Take that, multiply it times three, and that's how long we've been watching this for you just you're in phase one dude dot 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 
I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> it was great. Because I think that's what the fan base of the Chicago Bears was, speechless. But I don't want you to be right now. Uh, I want to take your phone calls. I want to hear what you got to say about Justin Fields. I want to hear what you got to say about the coaching staff of the Chicago Bears. I want to hear it all, man, because I got my takes as well. But let's go out to the phone lines. 312-644-6767. Let's go out to Sheik in West Town. Sheik, what's going on, man? What are your thoughts? Oh, man. You know, so getting back to the end of the game, Ugetsi, shotgun formation, which how many times this year alone, you know, craziness is doing the same thing over and over again, and it doesn't work. You know, they had nine in the box, literally nine in the box. And you know what? God loved Justin Fields, but no one would be upset with him if he took a timeout there and was like, hey, coach, there's nine in the box. You really <laughs> want us to be in the shotgun formation with the running back on my hip for two plays in a row? when we're trying to kill some clock at least, you're up by 12 points, and that's what you did. Even if they did an I formation, getting back to meatball Bears fans like me, even if you're in I formation, you ran it with Kari game and you ran it on the right side or the left, and you got two or three yards each play. That would at least make it seem like you saw what was going on. They had the ball for 40 minutes. There's no way that Detroit defense was in at least a little bit winded they have a game in four days. You have them on the ropes, and and they let them go. And our defensive coordinator, Flus, he's head coach, yeah, defensive coordinator, it's him. You know, in the words of the great Doug Buffon, prevent defense prevents you from winning. We were up by 12 <laughs> with four minutes, up by 12 with four minutes left. And you knew all game, you, you elicited four turnovers from the quarter I'm sorry three from the quarterback because you are playing your base defense with some blitz packages I'm not telling you to throw the house at them and and, but how are you only sending three and four guys when you're up by 12 with four minutes left in the game I mean what kind of confidence is is that supposed to instill in your defense when you don't even believe in them yeah I think the defensive line was I think the defensive line at that point, to be fair, right? Because we want to be very fair. We want to look at this objectively. The defensive line was generating pressure on Jared Goff. Yes. And the assumption and the assumption there in, in, in that latter half of the fourth is that they would then create pressure again, right? And allow your you you to operate the defense without having to send an extra defender and being able to actually operate that cover two, which is their base defense and what they're supposed to be running, you know, better than most. That part is tough. Then then to your other point about running in the shotgun, listen, I, I'm opposed to it as well. But when I'm just playing devil's advocate, you'd have to go back to some of those third and one situations where they did, or fourth and one where they did go out of the gun, and they were successful, you know, even though everyone knew they were going to run, and, and they ended up getting the first down anyway on both of those instances. So I'm sure, again, they probably just thought, it's going to work again. like, and, and it's unfortunate that it didn't, right, because now we get to look back and, 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 and pinpoint – you know, how bad of, of an idea it was to, to go down that path. But again, I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to say, I, that's not me saying I agree with that or me trying to, you know, defend them. It is me simply trying to find out why they were thinking of those things. You know, they, they did the same thing over and over again in the same game. And, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, I know 90% of the game is on the players. The coaches have very, just like managers in baseball, have little, literally very little effect on wins and losses. 
But you cannot stand in the mirror tomorrow morning, Flus and Getze, and and say that I put my players in the best position to win that game yesterday, today. That is that That's is. Real. They they need to. I, I'm sorry. I you know me. I'll I'll hold on to coaches for as long as possible. I love Fox, and he was horrible. <laughs> but he was a Bears. He was a coach. He went to you know. But this is unbelievable. And the Bears management with the team president now needs to do something the Bears have never done this whole season. It is time to let heads roll. I will be more than happy to have Andrew Ginoco, the quarterback coach, call the plays from the same playbook. You can't tell me that he wouldn't be about 50-50, about the same as Getty, if not a little better. Yeah, I actually tweeted that earlier today. Hold on, on, I actually tweeted that earlier today. I said, oh, I'm, I said, I think I'm it's sorry. time. I think it's time for us to to fire Luke Getzey. And I said, and just just to just to give Justin the opportunity to have someone else calling different plays, someone else to game plan for him. But because because it couldn't get any worse than what it is right now. And so for me, it was like you got to do something, right? You saw the Buffalo Bills; they they fired their offensive coordinator next week. They or this week they put up what was it, thirty six points, something like that. Yeah. After firing their offensive coordinator, it's like sometimes you just got to do it, bro. You can't, you can't like sit there and 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 wait for things to get better. You have to make moves in the present. And Ryan Poles has done a good job of doing that, right? Making two big trades at the trade deadline, something that most GMs aren't necessarily doing, and a trade in the offseason for that number one pick. So you know he's capable of doing things, right? Making decisions, difficult ones, and it's unfortunate exactly. that he hasn't been able to pull the trigger on something like this. And, and the other thing, too, is if doing something like this right now, I actually think we have a talented team. Obviously, I'm looking through Bears' glasses. But you cannot tell me if you took the head coach and the GM of the Detroit Lions into a private room tonight and, and told them, asked them, which quarterback would you rather have going forward? Just like many other teams, they would have chose Justin Fields. Okay? I'm not saying Justin Fields is the MVP, but – at worst, he's an average quarterback. And what? And, and the thing is, if they let heads roll, what it would do to that locker room? There's guys that are going to start making decisions on vacations in the next week or two if this keeps going on. And that's not fair to the development of the young talent we have on this team. We have a very good young core going forward. I'm not even going to ball on Jalen Johnson and give him all the crap he deserves because he should have had that pick six. Whatever, but that's fine. But you want to send a message to the team that hey, we're watching, and and everybody's going to be held accountable. Hold somebody accountable. It's time to chop the head off and put on the post at the fence, so people <laughs> walking by see what happens. <laughs> I like it, man. Thanks for the call, Sheik. I uh, yeah. I appreciate your insight, man. And 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 Sheik's a real Bears fan, and he he gets it. <clears throat> the frustration that that exists, and that's really the angle that he's speaking from as are most Bears fans. It's just frustration. You you know, we're not asking for much. And I think that's that, that's the worst part about it. We as Bears fans, it's like, you suck, fine. You're trying to figure things out? It's cool. But a statement game like this, a trap game, which everyone saw it to be, I did. I, thought, I, I told anyone who would listen. I said, hey, the Lions are overrated. They, their two losses have come to the two good, the only two good teams they faced. 
the Ravens and the, C- and the Seattle Seahawks. First game of the season, they caught Kansas City off guard. Punched him in the mouth, hit him on the chin. You know, they didn't have Chris Jones. They were, you know, Kelsey wasn't feeling right. Like, it just wasn't a good game for them. That's the only other victory. Everything else, every other team they've beaten is below 500. So, I thought Bears are back healthy. Defense is playing well. Justin Fields is coming back with a point to prove. Coaching staff understands that, hey, we're not going to make the playoffs, but there are statement games within the season, and this could have been one of them. This could have been a game where if Coach Eberflus would have won, he could have pulled this card out of his back pocket many a times. Hey, we were down and out. But when we played together as men, when we got tighter, that's, that's his mantra, right? When you listen to his postgame speeches, we continue to get tighter until there's no space between us that no one can get between us. Well, that space just got a little bit bigger. That gap got a little larger. Because a lot of people aren't confident that the coaching staff is doing as much as they can do. If that's what what onus is placed on the players, we need you to play to to the best of your ability. Try to play mistake-free. Well, that same, same mantra has to be placed on the coaches as well. And I think a lot of people are questioning whether or not the coaching staff has done the most that they can possibly do. But that's why we get to discuss it. It's Gabe Ramirez here on 670 to score. It's a Plumbers 911 Football Monday. Hanging out with you guys till 5 a.m. Todavía tenemos cuatro horas más. We still have four hours to go. Um, so I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you, man. What, like, were you, were you, I had a guy at my table that had victory cigars out. He like had this little contraption with the kit and everything. And he's, he turns to Corey and I and he's like, you guys want to smoke one of these? You know, this is good, man. It was like a mint chocolate Cuban cigar. He's like, you want this when we win? We go, like, obviously we have to go talk in the mic and do our all our stuff or whatever. And we come back. He's like, I put them damn things away. Because <laughs> so a lot of us were like that. 98.8% chance. Can I tell you my embarrassing moment sure, from the day? Sure. From the day we have this family group text. Me and my my uncles and my dad. When they kick the field goal to go up twenty six fourteen, I text ball game question mark with a shrug emoji and a smiley face. It was your fault. It was my and I and I texted them back. I said I'm very sorry for jinxing it, guys. It's your fault. It's your fault, Tyler. Only you, not Coach Eberflus. Not uh, not when who caught the touchdown first in the corner? Was it Jameson Williams? When he got the touch and he was all by himself and they scored in a minute, it was embarrassing, first of all. But you were just like, oh, it was an Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson debacle that happened where neither one of them picked up uh, Jameson as he was heading to the corner. And once you saw that, you were just like, oh, damn, this ain't good. I had a bad feeling. I had a bad feeling after that one. Like that, they, they hadn't, Lions hadn't done that all game. And then as soon as Fields and Scott couldn't hook up, I'm like, I, I smell trouble. Yeah. I, I did think they were going to stop him, though. But they just moved on the field effortlessly. It was unfortunate. Let's go back up to the phone lines. Talking to people makes me feel better. Let's go to Jim out in DeKalb. So, Jim, what do you think about this game? Was it a Getsy flub or was it a Justin Fields flub for you? Well, I mean, my Sunday was I had the radio on in the second half listening to Mr. Joniak and Mr. Thayer, and I think they're great broadcasters. But I wanted to say to you, I don't put it on Mr. Justin Fields. I bet if he walked into the door tomorrow, 
I'd like the man. But I wanted to remind people that since the advent of the Super Bowl, the Bears are well under 500. And I don't recall Jim McMahon with a 6-26 and 26 record dancing on a field. So, I mean, things have changed. But I actually just wanted to hear your views, and I want to hang up and listen to your views. Like, if you were in charge, how would you fix this? So, if that's a fair comment. I love the comment. Jim, thanks for okay, the call. Okay, but I'm going to hang up and just listen to you. If you were in charge of this outfit, what would you do? That's what I want to hear. All right. Jim from the Cal with the question of questions here on 670. Have a great Thanksgiving thank- and Merry Christmas and all hey, that. Thank, thank you, you, sir. Thank you very much. Um, I, I would say this, and to me it's it's obvious, and I was having this conversation with, with Corey Wooten, and I bring it up because he's a great football mind. Paid for the Bears. You know, went to Northwestern, just, I mean, he's a huge guy, knows the game well, really smart. And so a lot of my conversations with him are about, you know, the team, what would happen. And he thinks that the Bears should not draft a quarterback with their first two, with their two first round picks. He thinks they should shore up the trenches because he thinks that Justin Fields is good enough, even though he might not be a top 10 quarterback, that he's good enough that if you shore up the line and you make things tighter, that 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 would ensure long-term success for the Chicago Bears. But Jim and the Cab asked what I would do. To me, it's obvious. If the Bears have the number one pick in the draft, I don't like Caleb Williams. Just, just, And it has nothing to do with his performance over the last couple of weeks. I just, I've seen him play. I've watched his college career. Not just a couple of games like a lot of people have, right? Like I've actually watched his career. And I know it sounds odd to say, but I don't think his game translates to the NFL. Like I just, he's, he's not as big as a Patrick Mahomes where like you can get away from defenders or like a Ben Roethlisberger. He's a little bit smaller than that. So when you're trying to be elusive at that stage, like somebody's going to mess you up. Anyway, I, am a, I do prefer Drake May over that. So if the Bears have the number one pick from the Carolina Panthers, this is how I get what Corey Wooten wants to get done and what I want to get done. Somebody's going to give you a ton of draft capital for that number one pick to get Caleb Williams. And if it's someone that's sitting at two or three, you know what I'm saying? And you can then trade back, get crazy draft capital, whatever that might look like, fill in the blanks. And then you still get Drake May at two. Or- are, you, are, you t- are you accepting the trade? What do you mean? I'm, I'm, Jim asked me what I would do if I was a GM. I'm... I already made the phone calls. This is what's happening. Oh, you're making the phone calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the GM of the Bears right now. This is what's happening if I'm the GM. Bears get the number one pick from Carolina. They trade down one or two spots, whatever the case might be, to get more draft capital, right? Let's be very clear because now we are we are taking care of our offensive and defensive lines by trading down, right, and getting more draft capital. Because remember, we're not trying to get to the playoffs Next year, we're trying to get to the playoffs for the next 10 years, right? So how do you do that, right? So you, you go back. So you still get a Drake May because you this is the NFL, and you need to be prepared. Prepare for Justin Fields to get hurt if he's running the ball 20-some times a game like he's been doing. Prepare to replace Justin Fields in the event that his inconsistency continues. You need a contingency plan. And in the event that Justin Fields ends up being the man, well, guess what? You get to trade away Drake May. And still get more assets in return. Because it's not like it's just a bust at that point. So, you've gotten Drake May. You shore up 
or or you, you know you take the, the the best offensive lineman there, whatever it is, you get your left tackle of the future, whatever it is, and then you take a quarterback with the fifth pick, whatever that looks like, and then you know you're you're getting something else. This is it an extra second round pick that year, right? Is it another first next year? But if it's another second round pick, then you're using your second round picks to get you some a, a defensive end, another you know shut down corner, another offensive center, right? Like now you've done that. You've shored up the line. You still have Justin Fields. You have the contingency plan. And you have some draft capital next year as well. So to me, that's what I would do. I wouldn't take Caleb Williams at one and then take an offensive tackle at five. Because I asked Pete Futek, College Football News. He's the director over there. It's his website. Comes up with everything. I asked him. I, I literally talked to him Saturday. Beck QL was doing the show here on 670 The Score. And I said, Talk to me about the top three defenders in college football. Who are they? I know the quarterbacks, but I don't know the defenders. Who are they? Because I know it's the, who the Bears are going to be looking at. Look me dead in the face. This is a guy who's a college football expert, and he's like, this is an offensive draft. There's, there is no Will Anderson. There is no Jalen Carter. That guy doesn't exist in this draft. There's good guys, but nobody that's game-changing like that. And so that worries me. Right, so you got to worry about the offensive. Get your offensive tackles. Get your lines shored up. Feel good in that space, and then that way, uh, you can move forward. That's how I would do it. I'm interested to hear how you would do it. Would you just take two two offensive linemen and, and pick two and five, and think that's the answer to fix the Bears? Mm, interesting. We're gonna take your calls though, because the phone lines are open, and we got a lot to talk about. Three one two six forty four. 67 67. It's a Plumbers 911 football Monday here on 670 The Score. I am Gabe Ramirez, and we'll take your calls after this. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 